Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert with a sudden urge to dedicate my productive cooperation, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar heading towards an ungainly collapse, Noelle <laughs> LaCroix. And we're here today to talk about Dead Things, the 13th episode of season six. Dead Things aired on February 5th, 2002, and was written by Stephen S. DeKnight and directed by James A. Contner. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled, full-spectrum Buffy podcast, so if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that, and we'll be here slinging the double meat and pounding the big evil. Some days are harder than the really hard days. So let's go on patrol. In Dead Things, Buffy and Spike almost have a conversation after a sex session that somehow ended with them under the carpets in his crypt. But when he asks if she trusts him, she responds. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andrew and Jonathan are unpacking in the geek trio's dumpy new lair, and Warren finishes working on his newest invention, which clocks in at an 11 on the scale of Ick, a cerebral dampener. Now, with this baby, we can make any woman we desire our willing sex slave. Buffy asks Tara to meet at the double meet to talk. Tara thinks it's about Willow, but Buffy says no, it's about her. Spike can hit her, and Buffy's worried she might have come back wrong. She asks Tara to look into it, and Tara agrees. With Jonathan and Andrew parked outside in the van, Warren goes into a bar and finds Katrina. She's not pleased to see him, and with good goddamn reason. But just as she's about to leave, Warren activates the cerebral dampener and... I love you, master. Buffy returns home to hang out with Dawn for the evening, but Dawn's going over to Janice's. So Buffy goes out to the bronze with Xander, Anya, and Willow. While everyone's dancing, Buffy goes up to the balcony and watches her friends, when Spike comes up behind her and they have sex while Spike tells her that she belongs in the dark and the shadows with him. Look at your friends and tell me you don't love getting away with this. The trio bring Katrina back to their lair, dress her up in a French maid's outfit and make her serve them champagne. Then Warren takes her into the bedroom where he's about to rape her when the effects of the cerebral dampener wear off. Katrina wakes up and tries to leave, telling them that what they are about to do to her is rape. She pushes past Jonathan and Andrew and is about to leave when Warren cracks her in the head with the champagne bottle. She's dead. While Jonathan and Andrew freak out about Buffy figuring out the connection and knowing what they did, Warren has another idea. We have two problems, the body and the slayer. Well, what if there was a way that we could take care of them both with one big stone? Willow bumps into Tara outside of the magic box and they have a friendly but awkward conversation. Tara says she was looking for Buffy and asks Willow to tell Buffy she was looking for her before taking off. That night, while patrolling, Buffy resists going to Spike's crypt and instead comes across three demons who fracture time for her. She experiences a strange loop where she tries to save a crying Katrina from the demons, but then ends up accidentally hitting Katrina, who falls down a steep hill. She and Spike kill the demons, and when Buffy goes to help Katrina, she finds the dead body. She's dead. Back in the trio van, Katrina crawls inside and morphs into Jonathan. The plan worked. Buffy thinks she killed Katrina. Spike tells Buffy to go home and go to bed to trust him. He'll handle it. She does, but has a nightmare about sex with Spike and killing Katrina. 
She wakes up and goes to talk to Dawn to tell her that she has to go to the police and confess what she's done. Donnie, I have to. Dawn gets upset and yells at Buffy and runs off. Buffy goes to the police station, but just as she's about to go in, Spike pulls her back into an alley and tells her he took care of everything. They'll never find the body. But then two cops come out and talk about a woman who washed up on the riverbank. Spike tries to keep Buffy from confessing, but she beats the hell out of him, saying he doesn't have a soul, he can't feel anything real. She continues to hit him, then suddenly stops, looking with horror at his battered face. You always hurt the one you love, but... Buffy goes into the police station, but just as she's about to confess, she hears them say Katrina's name and makes the connection to Warren. At the magic box, Anya figures out that the demons Buffy saw messed with her sense of time. Katrina was probably dead before she got there. Buffy knows it was Warren. While the trio celebrate over getting away with murder, Tara comes over to visit Buffy and tells her there's nothing wrong with her, but Buffy doesn't believe it. She must be wrong. Tara says no, and Buffy starts to cry, revealing that she's been having sex with Spike. When Tara tries to comfort her without judgment, she breaks down. Please don't forgive me. Please. All right. So um, I recently read a psychological study that said that content warnings are actually worse for triggering people's trauma. And since we are a fully spoiled Buffy podcast, anyone listening to this episode knows what we're going to talk about. But honestly, there are a couple of topics that I usually appreciate just getting a heads up about. So I think that's what I'm going to do from he- from now on. Just a heads up. There's a discussion of sexual assault in this episode, and if that's something you'd rather skip at the moment, we wanted to give you a chance to just skip it. But if you're still with us, um, I will let you know that uh, nobody's happy about having to have this discussion today. It's definitely not going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Noelle and I have kind of come into this with a fair sense of trepidation. So what we have done is we have um, pulled in alternate things that we can talk about and a series of dad jokes. So whenever anybody starts to get upset (laughs) or we start to feel tense or whatever, we're just going to pull out a dad joke, kind of, you know, um, mitigate some of the horrible stuff that we're talking about and then dive back in. That's the plan anyway. We'll see how it works. So Noelle... Uh, good to oh see boy. you. Um, and how do you feel about dead things? Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Strap in, right? Yes. So there are bad episodes and then there are bad episodes, which yes. is to say mm-hmm. there are episodes where I do not care for the writing. And then mm-hmm. there are episodes where I just find the whole thing so upsetting. Um, yes. And, you know, anyone want to guess which one this is? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell you, like, the thing I like, okay, I respect Dead Things. I think it's well written. I think it's uh, well directed. I think it's a good episode. I think it addresses a lot of things that are, um, like, I, I really like the stuff that we do with Buffy in this episode. I really love what we do with Tara. Um, and I think that the overall story of the episode you know, what happens to Katrina, what these boys do, like, it's good storytelling. It's just so fucking hard to watch. And every time I watch it, it gets harder and harder to watch. And I hate watching it more and more. Um, So it becomes especially challenging for me. It was hard for me to watch it this week. Um, It was hard for me to write the notes this week. It was hard for me to pull the clips from the show this week. Uh, So right now, I got to say, you know, it's inappropriate to make a dad joke if you're not a dad. It's a faux pas. 
Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I actually love the addition of dad jokes for this episode in particular. And I will tell you why. Oh, yes. Um, Why? Because the the villain in this episode is toxic masculinity. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, that is the... That that is the big bad yeah. mm-hmm. in this episode, um, in a lot of ways, and also Buffy's internal struggle, which we'll get to, which I still yeah. don't fully mm-hmm. comprehend. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but a part of part of what makes this episode so difficult to watch, and I really, I really did try to dig in on you know Mad Dogs one through three, these guys who <laughs> have this plan to mm, uh-huh. I, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's like not even words I'm but but what what works about it yeah. and like I do think it works I think it's a really good episode yeah. it is just so unsettling mm-hmm. like start to finish yeah. there are some little there are some little bits of delight mm-hmm. um but they're all within the context of this really really dark grim yeah I hug you know, Tara like a warm fluffy blanket throughout this oh my episode God. I really do <laughs> Oh, my God. She's like, she's this beautiful gift in this episode. Mm -hmm. And also only because we're dealing with like, like horror, like actual real world horror in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But I was looking I was looking at these dudes and like what they're doing and how they're portrayed and how they like shift emotionally mm-hmm. over the course of the narrative and it's just so upsetting the whole thing is so the whole upsetting thing, the whole thing <laughs> is so upsetting and that trying to parse out you know how what on, on a scale of badness how bad is jonathan versus andrew versus warren and i don't care like they're all yeah. they're all equally you know complicit in something that is so terrible and which would have been stopped with any aversion to the like rampant misogyny involved in in any of the things that they do um yeah it's just it's really horrifying so it's kind of nice to have these like you know weird dad jokes which always make me laugh because they're just so fucking stupid um because you know we talk about like uh, you know and of course like all of the discussions about gender are highly suspect because of the way that we think about gender within our culture and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, just on it, like we're talking about a lot of things that are very to- toxic within a masculine framework, within a traditionally, you know, culturally masculine framework. And these dad jokes, which are really, really sweet within a traditional culturally masculine framework. Right. Um, exactly. So it's kind of nice to have a sweet masculine presence sprinkled throughout the discussion that we're going to have, which is really, really difficult. But I'm going to start on the on the ground upon which I am more firm, you know, when I talk about like the story kind of stuff that's going on here. Um, and and we do have a, a good story. We have, you know, um, characters, you know, we have uh, these guys with their goal of first, you know, getting this girl and then um, and then getting rid of her after they've murdered her, um, which is really, really terrible. We've got Buffy who wants to know what's wrong with her and is struggling with that internal conflict, which I think is is really kind of lovely throughout as far as like the story goes. It's it's heartbreaking, but it's it's well drawn. Um, but the thing that stands out to me in this episode, like a sore thumb, something that you just mentioned, is this stupid fucking plan. Like the trio's plan to get Buffy to think that she killed Katrina is so filled 
with complete chaos. It's a miracle that it even worked. I mean, how in the world could they have accounted and controlled for exactly how the demons would affect Buffy's experience of time? Plus, the experience of time outside of Buffy is apparently consistent. Like, Spike is not affected by these demons, I guess, because he's a vampire or whatever. But they can't control for any of this. They unleash these three demons who do something weird to time, but only to Buffy, not to Jonathan, who is there not as to Katrina, who yeah. has to like, how do they control for all of that? How in the world did Jonathan take a backhand from Buffy and not immediately die anyway? Um, Spike's there, not affected by the wonky time thing. We don't know why, I guess, because he's a vampire. Um, you know, how could they possibly have planned for Buffy to hit Jonathan slash Katrina right at the moment that they were standing on the hillside and they just fall down and roll, you know, into the... It's such a dumb fucking plan. Um, <laughs> but the execution of it, as far as the storytelling goes, is cool and disorienting. And Warren's smug self-satisfaction when it works is both gross and even more slimy because it was just dumb fucking luck that it worked at all. And somehow that redeems this whole stupid thing for me because it shows a mediocre white man failing upward, which I find fitting for Warren. Yeah. Yeah. It really works for Warren. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like, I mean, it works for Jonathan too, in a way, mm -hmm. in that Jonathan is always the one getting hurt by mm -hmm. the tech right. or the magic or the plan mm -hmm. or whatever. It's like he's the one who gets the freeze ray frozen to his hand and he gets punched by Buffy when he's disguised as a demon. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and when they're using the the magic to make mm -hmm. the cerebral dampener, like he's he ow. is the one yeah. who's holding mm -hmm. ow. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's constantly getting hurt and so to have him there with a black eye, did you notice yeah. that? Mm -hmm. That I didn't notice that the first time, first couple times through. Yeah. And then I'm looking at him, you know, after he he transforms or whatever the fuck he does. Yeah. And he's standing there with this like beaten face. And it just adds this extra layer of toxicity to Warren and the whole, you know, trio dynamic right. of... Warren has no, I mean, Warren has no concern for anyone. Yeah. We know this. Warren doesn't like, care about this anything. This is not. I mean. This is. Yeah. It's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. But Warren having no concern for the well-being of the people who are supposed to be on a team with mm -hmm. him, I also find oddly chilling. Yeah. Like. Like, obviously, right? Yeah. He's the best. Like, we're not supposed to like this dude. Oh, but wouldn't it but be more something... fun if there was something likable about Warren? Wouldn't, I mean, like, if you felt, I don't know. I That's what I liked about Spike. I liked that Spike had things about him that were likable, even when he was the big bad in season two, you know? Um, I don't want to like Warren. I'm really glad I get to fully and completely and without complication just hate the fuck out of Warren. Like, that's nice, you know? Um, but it feels like it's a it's a weaker character. You know? Yeah, he's just, he's so callous mm -hmm. in a way that, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's it, a psychopath. It, I mean, he really is. <laughs> he feels, he feels very written. Yes. He feels how, oh gosh, this it's so hard to articulate this, but he feels how somebody callous feels. Yeah. Like, I... 
I believe that people have extremely good reasons for doing even the most horrific things that they do. Mm-hmm. And we sort of play with that a little bit with Warren in this episode, but not really. Like, okay, the, like legit question I have. Yeah. When he's standing there with Andrew and Jonathan and Katrina and they're like, Andrew and Jonathan are like, oh yeah, like she's, they're all giggly and like, oh, she's really cute. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, she's so like, he goes off on like how beautiful she is and how perfect she, Mm -hmm. and there's this whole like, I, I feel like the narrative wants me to think that on some level, Warren truly loved Katrina oh, yeah. and I don't I don't it. think we're supposed to think that I mean I don't think so that yeah are we supposed to, I guess I guess he talks I'm... about her like a car she is a possession and she is a possession that had the nerve to say no to him she, this is a punishment scenario for him she's beautiful she's wonderful and I'm going to make her do things that she doesn't want to do to me um, the way her nose crinkles up when she laughs as she's standing there with her like stone yeah. face is so eerie. It is. It's... It is so the the way I mean, honestly, from, you know, I was made to love you from that moment. And I was made to love you when he says, shut up, Katrina, the way that he speaks to her. um, It's so awful. It's so. ugh. And so, yeah, Warren is just Warren is just upsetting. So I'm glad we're talking about it at the beginning. We can get him like out of the way, you know, um, yeah. I mean, because he is he is exactly and I don't know. I know that, you know, from my experience living in the world, you know, as a female presenting person, right, um, that when you come up against misogyny, in in different spaces and let me just you know say for the record that a lot of those are internal as well you are installed with you know your standard working operating system misogyny um as a kid in this culture you know and that gets internalized as well um that there is such a a chill i mean it really is like when you say it's chilling like it is literally chilling um Mm -hmm. the way in which it's not just a lack of regard for this woman it is a hatred of her and it is a hatred of women. The very idea that that you would put, I mean, because let's Warren is a gifted, I, I guess, scientist or whatever, you know, I mean, he's got yeah. gifts, he's got talents that he would dedicate them to creating something that makes a woman his quote unquote willing sex slave, which is. Such a contradiction in terms I cannot oh, fucking that even. Phrase, shall right? we? <laughs> like... I mean, first of all, since when does willing even a concern for him? Is that just something he says so that it doesn't trigger something in Jonathan and Andrew? Although let's not forget, this is not Jonathan's first run round this mind controlling right. uh, mulberry bush, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think willing in this sense means not resisting yeah yeah i think like right it's like there's there's the there is the consent that is freely and enthusiastically given and then there is the middle ground Mm -hmm. of not resisting yeah in a not resisting in an outward (laughs) wow this is hard to talk about um yeah Oh, 
the idea the idea that and we get it actually we get it later with Buffy and Spike and I want to mm-hmm. talk about this when yeah. she says don't and he says stop me and mm-hmm. she doesn't do anything right and the show plays that like that's consent yeah and that is not how consent works no the like no isn't oh oh it's It's so bad yeah yeah no (laughs) and i mean this is the thing like consent requires enthusiasm you know um and there are so many things that can contribute to a person who freezes you know, in, yeah. in circumstances like this, the freeze is actually a very common response in which you can you can't say no. You're just so terrified. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm freezing in this conversation yeah. because that terror of yeah. stop me as a threat. Yeah. It's and then what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like the no already happened and then it wasn't right. It wasn't regarded like and and. We get that parallel with Katrina as well, you know, in the bar when she's like, yo, I have set this boundary. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's no us. I never wanted to see you again. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, for real. She has totally complete clarity about what she wants. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I find it. It's so it's so fucking disturbing and then you know we've got like we know warren right warren is clearly like this you know okay he literally objectifies Uh, it literally he literally yes he makes women women into objects like this is what he does um yes but for the record like all of these guys are bad and i think that we tend to view them on a sliding scale because jonathan Jonathan does like he is clearly bothered by this whole thing. The moment when Katrina says it's rape, you see Jonathan like blink like he never thought of Mm -hmm. that before, Um, which after the events of Superstar in which he mind controls and rapes these uh, two Swedish twins, which is there are so many levels of disgusting with all of that um, that I I can't even we talked about it in Superstar. You can go back and listen to that. We've had that discussion. Um, So Jonathan, this is not his first, you know, um, his first rodeo with this kind of thing. But it does seem to be the moment that he's realizing it, you know, and that he actually like cares about it. Andrew is upset when he thinks that they're going to get caught at the end when they get away with it. You know, Jonathan's the only one who remains upset. Yeah. But still, Jonathan has been doing this, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic among the three of them, right? On the one hand, we have Warren, who is callous. He is, you know, he's misogynistic on purpose, as you put it in your notes, which I love. (laughs) He's misogynistic Um, on purpose. He actually chooses to be a misogynist, whereas most of us try to fight what's in our operating system software that was yeah, installed. Yeah, he goes right. out of his way yes. to objectify women mm-hmm. on multiple planes. Yeah. Like, not even... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just this one thing. Yeah. He has a whole system yes. for objectifying women. Mm-hmm. And then, sort of, not quite in opposition to Warren, but for the... for In terms of the trio, in, opposi- in mm-hmm. opposition... I can't speak... In opposition to Warren, we have Jonathan, who is, he's presented as the weakest of the three of them. Mm -hmm. He's 
I mean, there's a joke in this episode about being Mad Dog 3. Like, he is the lowest rung on this ladder, on this hierarchical toxic masculinity ladder. And he's the one who resists Mm -hmm. most often. He's the one who's like, we weren't going to, wait, we weren't going to kill anybody. We're crime lords. Mm -hmm. He's the one who has this strong vision of himself as kind of a powerful trickster Mm -hmm. who's like stealing the power that he he gets and leaning into the villain role but not in a way that he wants to be dangerous yeah or and not in a way where he truly understands the degree to which he is participating Mm -hmm. in a system that is toxic and deadly just as much so as warren's toxic deadly misogyny right and then so we've got these two and they're kind of opposite each other and jonathan is the one who is more than more so than andrew Mm -hmm. like bringing up hey what about this what about that and then andrew in the middle is this like sliding scale because he's deeply emotional Mm -hmm. he he cries over Katrina's body, which mm-hmm. I find He's weirdly moving. for him, though. He's not crying for her. He's crying <clears throat> for the situation, yeah. is how I read it. He, he doesn't... Both Jonathan and Andrew, to me, mm-hmm. strike me as people who have not questioned yeah. the harmful yep. repercussions of their behavior, which is why they are so shocked when Katrina says this is rape Mm -hmm. because they clearly it is clear to me in that moment that that Andrew and Jonathan have an idea in their head about what rape is. And this is not exactly Mm -hmm. whereas Warren doesn't care um, at all. And he is the one he has no there's no change in affect when when she's dead mm-hmm. um but andrew i was i was talking about andrew as this kind of emotional creature mm-hmm. in as much as he's allowed to be that mm-hmm. and it is it's such a bummer yeah when at the end he sides with warren that ultimately the pursuit of the the hegemonic ideal of masculinity that is mm-hmm. violent and controlling yes is the position that he sides with in the end like it's such it's such a bummer and it is fascinating that we have this kind of rank order of misogyny as though one of these is worse mm-hmm. than the others mm-hmm. right it's just outwardly worse yeah no it's all it's it's all violent and scary. It's all violent um, and scary. And because some of it happens in ignorance where if they had understood it on a broader level, they maybe wouldn't have done it or participated in it. You can say that maybe for Jonathan and Andrew. The fact is they didn't bother to think about it from anybody's perspective. They didn't bother to think about what this does to women um, and the women that they're trying to like, you know, we've been making this joke, chicks, 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 right? You know, that they're yep. going to be getting all of these women. Um, and the only way they can do it is through um, through brainwashing which is kind of terrifying. 
Yeah, it's all just really terrible. But you know what? I got to tell you, Noelle, um, you know why I never took my kids to see the orchestra? Oh, no. Why? Too much sax and violins. And violins. <laughs> oh, my God. Too much God. sax and violence. Uh-huh. Sax and violence. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> let's move on now that we've finished discussing all that disgustingness. Um, we've got a Terra 3 Beach, which is kind yes. of lovely. Oh, my God. So it was love. I love Terra. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love Terra. I full stop. Mm-hmm. I love Terra in this episode. Yeah. I was even more delighted to realize that we have this like lovely... With this lovely three beat mm-hmm. with Tara. Yeah. So we see her. We see her in the break room at Double Meat Palace. We see her outside the magic box. And then we see her again at um, Buffy's home. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's this little. It's yeah. like a little Willow Tara sandwich on Buffy despair yes. bread. And it's so. On Buffy despair bread. <laughs> it's so good. No, it's so yeah. good. I love you know, and I love just the kind of casual, the casual foreshadowing, mm-hmm. if you will, of, you know, Buffy says time has no meaning here. Uh-huh. And she means, she means work. Yeah. She means, you know, working in fast food. But also time has no meaning here now that she's back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And also time has no meaning here because she's about to have her sense of time ah, seriously nice. messed with. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I I enjoy little, little like written yeah. <laughs> nuggets mm-hmm. like that. Um, I love I love Tara commenting on the break room posters <laughs> with I have the sudden urge to dedicate my productive cooperation. It's so cute because you know what we don't see Tara do a whole lot is make those jokes. You know she doesn't joke. Yeah, typically it's... we don't see her making jokes, and it was really fun to see that. And Tara doesn't joke because Tara's words are important. Yes. Mm-hmm. What Tara says almost always, like, deeply, deeply matters, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is the whole, you know, that, that is, that's the whole thing with yeah. the last scene with her mm-hmm. and Buffy is mm-hmm. that she has only compassionate words for Buffy. Yeah. Um, and Buffy feels... <laughs> some kind of way about that uh, she um, certainly does yes yeah mm-hmm. but i love i love that tara's first thought is that willow did something mm-hmm. that buffy wants to talk to her about willow yeah um and just tara's what tara's assumptions are are very interesting mm-hmm. to me tara assumes that this is about willow and that's why buffy didn't want to yeah. meet at the house mm-hmm. tara assumes that the chip has stopped working mm-hmm. and then tara picks up immediately yeah. you think it's you yeah um and i love i love the way buffy expresses her concerns to Tara mm-hmm. in this scene because Tara is a trustworthy person. Yeah. We know this. We've seen a lot of Tara being very trustworthy and being that like loving presence for Buffy mm-hmm. specifically yeah. um when Joyce dies. But what I what I love about the writing here is the way that Buffy clearly wants to open up to Tara, mm-hmm. <laughs> but is also kind of in that space of I don't want to talk about this, but also I don't yeah. know what happens if I say this to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's really, really good the way she kind of talks around the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel different. 
there are things that and she just kind of can't put the words together. And she says, I think maybe I came back wrong. And Tara's response immediately is no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just it's it's so well written. It is so it feels so on brand for Tara. Mm -hmm. Like this feels like the Tara that I love to see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is, I mean, and it is a relief um, just to like, just to see her, to have that loving presence. Like when I see Tara on screen, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I know that something awesome is going to happen. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um, she's, She's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And some of it, some of it is the writing, some of it is the performance, you know, the seriousness with which she acknowledges Buffy's concerns. You know, you think it's you. And just that, I want to say pointed, but that sounds kind of negative, but that that highly specific observation. Mm-hmm. I love that Tara pays attention. It's just... She's she Tara is the perfect person for Buffy to be having this conversation with for multiple but reasons. Tara is not the just because she has person access for anyone. Anyone who has a problem, <laughs> Tara's the person you want to talk to about it. Well, it's I mean, Tara really strikes me with her access to magic, mm-hmm. especially, really strikes me as like a holy person. Yeah. In this space. I mean, at the end, when she's sitting with Buffy in her home, it's like she's hearing confession, mm-hmm. except that it's so much more intimate because these these two people know each mm-hmm. other and they're looking at each other. And it's just this. Uh, I can't yeah. like I'm so I'm so overwhelmed by that loving presence mm-hmm for Buffy as she's going through this thing that I just want to say like sweetie no like it's you're fine like it's really okay Um, but it's clearly it is so distressing to Buffy and then to have Tara be so calm and centered about all of it is just it it is a lovely bookend on some real yeah. Awful, mm-hmm. awful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in between, in between those conversations with Buffy, we get this little interaction yeah. with Willow and Tara outside the magic box where they're ostensibly talking about Buffy. Mm-hmm. You know, Willow says, we miss her. And Tara says, I'm sure she feels the same way about you. But they're also mm-hmm. talking about each other. Yeah. And then Tara mm-hmm. has this little like half smile when she says she's glad Willow's doing better. It's so so sweet. It is so sweet. And it fits. I know, I love that whole yeah. that whole interaction is so heartbreaking. And Willow, you know, Willow's deep desire to assure Tara that it's all okay. It's all okay, you know. Oh god, yeah. it is so sweet. Yeah, and it I think it fits really neatly into some of the metaphors mm-hmm. that this episode is working with just in terms of the the words or the action not lining up necessarily with what's really going mm-hmm. on. Um especially for Buffy in her relationship 
non-relationship right. with Spike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> but, you know, they're talking about Willow and Tara talking about Buffy, but also talking about each other, mm-hmm. the kind of tentative but also frantic need to be present for each other it's just it's great it's great it's so Um, sad i mean it's lovely and it's sweet and it's so sad it breaks my heart every time but i want to dive into this last scene yeah with tara and buffy Mm -hmm. um specifically i love first of all i love the in-world explanation that it's like it's just a cellular change that buffy's different yeah but she's buffy she's just she's still buffy you know, she's her... just got a little cosmic sunburn yeah yeah <laughs> just you know it's like that it is purely is purely physical mm-hmm. and in terms of spike's chip really just a cosmetic yeah. shift which i enjoy mm-hmm. so much it's such a weird explanation like how does the chip know but it is who but cares? you know what i fine I accept it. Who like, cares? how does the chip know human from demon anyway? I mean, honestly, I would always think it was in Spike's brain that if Spike knows the difference, then the chip knows the difference. And Spike knows that Buffy is human. So he would. But I, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Cosmic sunburn. It's, fine. Check. Got it. It's Moving on. fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's one of those things. And I feel like it fits really nicely, mm-hmm. too, with the theme about. Buffy's physicality mm-hmm. and how much of what she's able to, you know, what she's struggling with and what she's able to experience in terms of feeling and feeling any connection to this existence mm-hmm. after being brought back from heaven happens through her physical body. Yeah. It's really only when she's having sex with Spike that she's able to access any sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um so I like that it's I like that it is a a physical shift, but that she is at her core herself. Mm-hmm. But then. Then Tara says Tara asks if Buffy loves Spike. Yeah. And she says, it's OK if you do and it's OK if you don't in this scene that I just. Oh, oh my God. God. That whole her whole like I absolve you mm-hmm. of any perceived sin you have committed. Yeah line is fantastic oh and i also love too the way that tara responds to like when she understands what's happening with spike and she's like i can see it's okay if you love him i can see why you would you know he's helped us out a lot and you know all that kind of stuff yeah it is so oh god tara's just the best tara is a a fucking beam of sunlight in this whole thing. And then you've got Buffy's, you know, complete breakdown, which kills me every single time. And that moment where she's like, please don't forgive me. Please don't forgive me. Yeah. And oh my God. Let's talk about that. Uh, Let's talk about forgiveness oh for a minute. Oh God. Let's talk about what's happening there. It's so please yeah. don't forgive me. What is that? What does that mean? What does that mean to you specifically? Somebody who has all kinds of I have all kinds of yeah, I have all kinds of issues with the, the idea of forgiveness. Well, I mean, okay, for anybody who listened to my podcast, Big Strong, yes, there is an episode and I can't remember what it is, but I'll find it. If anybody wants it, I'll figure out which one it is. Uh, but it's one where um, where I go on a big, long rant about forgiveness. And the fact is that forgiveness is something that um 
So if you go back to the episode, I only have eyes for you in which Buffy was having a real difficult time forgiving herself for Angel being turned and seeing that as her fault. And then um, and then they're talking about how this guy who killed his teacher that he was in love with, you know, has to be forgiven. And Giles says something like, we don't forgive people because um, because they've earned it or they deserve it. We forgive people because they need it, which I also think is kind of bullshit. I think that you forgive somebody when they ask for forgiveness and stop doing the thing that hurt you when they care enough, you know. Um, but there is also like a moving on that you can do, which is separate. We we tend to package forgiveness in the person who was harmed as a requirement that, that unless they, unless you forgive this person who hurt you, you will never be able to move on. It's never going to be okay for you. That, that forgiveness is something that you do for you, which I think is total bullshit. I think the forgiveness is something that you do for somebody else if they ask for it, if they're not going to do it again, and you can decide to give it to them or you cannot. Your job is to unfuck whatever it is that they did to you. Um, unfortunately, that's <laughs> your job is to unfuck it. Um, but forgiveness is not that. Now, okay, all of that said, Noelle knew. I saw the look on your face, too, and you're like, yeah, let's talk about forgiveness because I have a whole thing. Um Oh, yeah. This is my whole thing. Well, because I, I also have a very different view on forgiveness than you do. Oh, what but, is your view? Well, I think forgiveness, I I absolutely agree with you that it gets lumped mm-hmm. in with all of these other ideas that are separate things. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like moving on from a hurt yeah. gets lumped in with forgiveness or helping someone to be a better person gets is lumped in with forgiveness. your fucking job. No. Right. Like. <laughs> I don't I uh, 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 uh. I think I think we 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 fold forgiveness into too many things. Yeah. I think forgiveness is the choice. I think forgiveness is a conscious choice to extend mercy to someone and to maintain or rebuild a connection mm-hmm. with someone who has harmed you. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness for me means something has happened there is a split something has happened that has divided us in some way or pushed us apart from each other in some way and the the and forgiveness comes in as a i would like to i want to extend mercy and compassion toward this person so that we can continue to be friends, partners, right, but doesn't that require have a positive familial relationship? Have a, you know whatever it is? Yeah, but that requires that person be sorry, right? I mean, that person I, has to acknowledge what they've done and know that what they well, did was wrong and be sorry for it, or they're just going to do it again. I think that depends on <laughs> You're so your much relationship. Than I am. <laughs> well, no, it's no, it's just a completely. You and I speak different mm-hmm. apology languages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what feels like an apology to you. Mm-hmm. I think. I think mm-hmm. now that we're getting deeply personal on our pop culture podcast, I know, right? Whatever. But, you know, like I think, I think that that the relationship between forgiveness and and an apology depends on the harmed person's or the harmed party's yeah. relationship to apology mm-hmm. and what feels like an apology and what what makes a meaningful apology. Right. Because depending on and depending on the wrong and the hurt mm-hmm. and how intimate the relationship is, yeah. um, it may be a 
let's let's move on from this. Like mm-hmm. this was a mistake. Let's move on. And it may be a we need a specific we need to specifically acknowledge these are the harms that took place. <laughs> and yeah. you know, like expressions of regret can can be an apology. Like there's a whole there's a whole sea of things that can be an apology. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but forgiveness to me, I think I think that you can see that someone is sorry without them having to apologize verbally. Um, Well, yeah. I mean, if they're sorry and they're not going to do it again, if they acknowledge what they've done. My thing is, is that I was so forgiving, like my whole life, I would forgive everybody of everything that they did all the time. And then they would go around and smack me again and again and again. And I would be like, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry about it. Never held anybody accountable. Then I had a certain period of my life in which I was like, fuck that nonsense. And I went completely the other way. And now I don't know, like it, it, for me to forgive somebody, they have to, um, they have to not do it again. They have to not come around and just start doing the same shit again. And I need to know that they're not going to do that. So that's what forgiveness is for me. Um, and I, you know, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really, really obviously a big sticking point for me. And as we get to talking about Buffy, you know, whether or not yeah, she, she ha- needs to be forgiven, which I think is a question. Right. So how do you feel about that when she says oh please don't forgive oh, me i well yeah i mean okay first of all like <laughs> everything everything that buffy goes through in this episode i feel very very deeply this episode breaks my heart for buffy um you know i get why she's ashamed of her relationship with spike because you know it's spike like when you're sleeping with somebody that you're ashamed of like i get that you know but i also get why she wants him because i mean like it's spike you know i mean spike is very <laughs> wantable um, but you know, she's got this whole thing. Trauma can present as a lack of feeling and that lack of being able to feel what you know you would ordinarily feel can be really disorienting. When I was extremely traumatized, I felt all the negative emotions. I felt all the sadness and the anger and all that kind of stuff, but I couldn't feel the things that I knew I felt like I couldn't feel love. I couldn't feel happiness. I couldn't feel joy. I couldn't feel any of that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and I always found that very disorienting because I was like, well, I know that these are people that I love, but I cannot feel it you know so mm-hmm. Buffy in this traumatized state reaching out for something that makes her feel something you know um I think is uh, completely understandable she's not hurting anybody as a matter of fact she is delighting the fuck out of Spike uh mm-hmm. nobody's getting hurt by what she's doing she's except I guess you could say she's not home enough to be with Dawn or whatever, but I mean, she's, God forbid, she's taking some time for herself after, you know, being pulled back from heaven into this hellscape by her friends, you know, it's a trauma and she's dealing with that. Um, But the, the unwillingness to forgive yourself, the need to be held accountable when you feel like you've done something wrong, like, I feel that very, very deeply. Like my ability to forgive myself has been, um, has been, you know, severely altered as well uh, from the trauma and the experience that I went through um, and the things that I did um, that I wish I hadn't done, choices I made that I wish I hadn't made. Um, and uh, and so like the 
the need to be held accountable for that by somebody because everybody is always telling you, no, you were a victim. You, you know, you went through all this stuff. It was truly terrible. It was awful. All the stuff that Tara says, all the compassion that Tara extends to Buffy. When people extend that to me, I'm like, fuck off. Somebody tell me that this was wrong because you feel like you're being gaslit. You know, you feel like you're the, everybody's so fucking compassionate and you feel like you are the only one who sees what you did and that you cannot be forgiven until you are held accountable for what you've done and nobody will hold you accountable. So I will say that it's possible. It's possible that possibly I over identify a little bit with what Buffy's going through here. (laughs) But when she says that, don't forgive me, please don't forgive me. Like I fucking get it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a hard, it's such a hard moment oh, for God, yeah. a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shines such a light on what she's truly struggling mm-hmm. with, which is this sense of fractured identity. Mm-hmm. You know, this can't be me. Yeah. This th- this this way that I'm behaving doesn't align with my sense of who I am. Mm-hmm. So if here's, you know, here's this like loving, holy presence in the form of Tara, (laughs) you know, goddess of compassion being like, it's okay if you love him and it's okay if you don't. Like, you know, it's okay. It's okay that you, that you let him do these things to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like that's hard to integrate. If you're feeling shame about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And someone says, yeah, it's actually okay. Like, it makes sense to me. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, she is, except, here's the interesting thing. She is hurting Spike. Mm -hmm. And he's enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is the part that seems to factor into the the complicated Buffy Buffy's inner life mm-hmm. in this episode gets real complex real quick it does well I mean because this comes after she just beat the living hell out of Spike and she has this horrified I could never be your girl right she has this horrified yeah. look on her face when she realizes what she's done to him but he's saying yes put it all on me you yeah. know and also when she beats him like that she moves closer into this dark space, which is where he wants her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she doesn't want to do this stuff. I'm what, using him? How is that okay? You know, mm-hmm. but he's okay with it. Like he is absolutely yeah. serving himself up and saying, yes, use me, beat me, you know, mm-hmm. because that has a darkness to it that he really, really wants out of that relationship. But she's also beating herself yeah. up in that moment. Yeah. It reminds me of that moment in Who Are You, right? When Faith is yep. beating herself up, right? Yes. You know, and saying yep. all of those things. You're nothing. You're, you know, you're terrible. All that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. When she's saying this to Spike on some level, she's saying that to herself. Mm-hmm. You can't feel yeah. anything. You're dead inside. You're dead yep. inside, right? Ugh. Yeah. God. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just, it's... It's so fucking hard. And this episode just fucking hits me where I live. And Noelle, yes. uh, what does a vegetarian zombie eat? Oh, we know this one. Do you? Grains. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yes, that's true. All right. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about Dawn, right? For a brief oh, moment of respite, Dawn. right? I know. Oh my I God. feel bad. I feel bad for Dawn for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, because this is the kind of thing that makes everybody hate Dawn, right? Because we are so focused really? on Buffy. I think <laughs> I'm sorry, so. really? Yeah. In this episode? Yeah. In this oh, episode. Oh, God, I feel so bad for I her. I know. I do, too. Like, I mean, it's, it's bad. But, like, the thing with Dawn is that Dawn... With good reason and with better reason, I think, than Joyce. I think she's used better in this function than Joyce ever was. But she does become a conflict vending machine. She is just constantly mad at Buffy. It's not like I knew you'd be home, you know, with these yeah. little cutting remarks and everything. But Dawn also is like her sister came back when Buffy is saying, I need to go. And she says, Donnie, I have to, which is exactly what she said before jumping into the thing and killing herself into the energy and killing yeah. herself um, in the gift. Um, the heartbreak of this, you know, for Dawn and what I feel so deeply for Dawn is that she's not enough. You know, like Buffy jumped into the energy and killed herself to save Dawn, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But then in in bargaining, she crawls right up there and is about to jump off again. And Dawn says, no, 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 please come back with me, you know, be with me. And Buffy can't be there with her because Buffy is just even when Buffy's there, she's not really there, you know, because she's going through all this trauma. Dawn can't understand that. But here we have this moment where she's like, I have to go to the police. I have to tell them what I did. I may go away for a long time. And Dawn's just like, there you are. You know, Dawn's like experiencing this yep. abandonment. She's feeling super hurt. You know, and so we just have her in a state where she's constantly complaining and yelling at Buffy. Now, like in Gone, when she's, Buffy's floating the pizza, I'm with Dawn. Like I'm on Dawn's side. Like I'm on Dawn's side on this. Like I completely get it. But I think that from the perspective, when we watch it from Buffy's per perspective, when we see and experience everything that Buffy's going through, but we don't really experience anything with Dawn. We just experience mm. the way that Buffy experiences Dawn. Then it just feels like this kid is constantly complaining, like things are hard enough for Buffy and this kid is constantly complaining, which is also true. Now, is it a justified complaint? Do you feel Dawn's pain? Yes, I do. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. But I do this too. is why I think a lot of people end up not liking Dawn. Because Dawn is just constantly bitching at Buffy. And we don't really get, I think, as much of a chance in the text to feel what she's feeling here. Like to empathize with mm. her. Yeah, it is all kind of behind the scenes yeah. a little bit. You have to... You have to you want to have... like Dawn. You have to want yeah. to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. it. I think that you have to want to see things from Dawn's perspective yeah. in order to really feel what she's going through. Mm -hmm. But, oh, man, I do. Oh, <laughs> like, it's, yeah. oh it's so hard. It's, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, and of course, Buffy's struggle is in part that she doesn't feel any connection mm -hmm. to these people in her life. Yeah. So she feels she feels a lack of connection so she pulls away even further. Oh, yeah. which makes the people in her life feel less connected to her, right. especially Willow, her sister. We miss her. It's mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Ooh, 
it's it's painful. Oh, God, it's, it's really so painful. I just I feel so terrible for Dawn. My heart breaks for Dawn. It really, really does. But it, like this is the kind of thing we're like, yeah, okay. I not, you know when people complain about Dawn, this is the kind of stuff that they complain about because we're not really encouraged to to feel Dawn's pain here. Um, and uh, and it's really easy, kind of like kind of not to. Um, in yeah, that. because we're di- well, because we're so deep in Buffy's pain mm-hmm. that Dawn becomes just a little add on to Buffy's pain as opposed to being her own yeah. person with her own perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is really like, we're really, really about Buffy. I mean, yeah. a lot of the time it's her show, a lot of the time, but yeah. also like in this episode in particular, mm-hmm. we're really like Buffy's really, really struggling with this internal sense of who she is. Mm-hmm. And the way that this all like comes together in this episode, mm-hmm. I think pulls her even further from, I mean, Spike deliberately pulls her further from the oh, people in her life. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, like we have an abuse analogy going on with Spike and Buffy and the separation, you know, of, of you from the people in your life is one of the first things that abusive personality does. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, oh God, there's a lot of stuff going on here, but the really wonderful thing in this episode that I think will be fun to talk about. The thing that I usually hate, the thing that you love are the, is the dream sequence, right? Yes. So we got a nice dream yes. sequence. Tell me what you pulled out of this dream, dream sequence. We got we get a phenomenal mm-hmm. dream mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, I love I love this dream. I love everything about this mm-hmm. dream. So Spike, so they're in the woods. Spike tells Buffy, you know, Buffy's distressed. This girl is dead. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's distressed, yeah. right? Spike tells her to go home, crawl into her cozy bed, and stay there. Yeah. And then Buffy dreams about the chorus of voices that she heard in the woods mm-hmm. whispering, what did you do, Buffy? Yeah. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spike, then we see Spike is in bed with her and snuggles in with her and comforts her saying, it'll be our little secret. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this, this bit of the dream, which I think depending on how you're watching, mm-hmm. maybe doesn't read as a dream at first. Yeah, at first it doesn't. Mm-hmm. At first it seems like maybe he literally is there uh, yeah. in bed mm-hmm. with her in her room. Um, but I love that we're pairing Katrina's death with sex with Spike yeah. for Buffy. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, the implications of that are mm-hmm. so fun and interesting to get into. But when he says it'll be our little secret, is he referring to is Dream Spike referring to you killed a girl in the woods? Mm-hmm. Is he referring to we're sleeping together? Yeah. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because it's both. <laughs> right. Um so we create we create this overlay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, weird choice of words. Well, <laughs> we create this <laughs> Weird. Well, you know, weird, weird, but maybe um, accidentally on purpose choice of words of uh, this this overlay of Buffy and Spike and Buffy and Katrina. Um, so they're in bed together in the dream. Buffy and Spike are. She rolls on top of him and then we shift to Spike's crypt. Mm-hmm. And the eyeline match that we get from the close up of Buffy's face to the shot of Spike 
suggests that her focus is on the handcuffs and not on his face, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he's brought those. He, he, we see him bring the yeah. handcuffs out earlier when they're having their not quite state of the union <laughs> conversations. Right. And he says, do you trust me? She, he asks uh, what I love. I love when he says, do you even like me? Yeah. And she says, sometimes. And then he brings out the handcuffs and he says, do you trust me? And she says, never. Mm-hmm. So now we're in this dreamscape and we get this, you know, the camera follows her gaze as she's looking not at his face but up his arms to the handcuffs and then we cut to Buffy throwing a punch in the woods and then Buffy is on top of Katrina in the woods and they're fully clothed but Katrina's hands are cuffed above her head and dream Buffy asks do you trust me and dream Katrina smiles and then closes her eyes and moans But it's Buffy's moan that we hear. Mm -hmm. That is some complex. (laughs) I mean, whole. Okay, Uh, all right. So Mm -hmm. the the dead girl, the the girl that you think you killed accidentally, Mm -hmm. is now the lover that you are ashamed of. (laughs) It like I love this dream. Yeah. I love this dream for a number of reasons, but the main reason I love this dream is it feels like a real dream. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it does like, feel like a real dream. Like I would describe something to you and it would be this kind yeah. of like bonkers scenario of like. I was having sex with Spike, but it wasn't Spike. It was Katrina. It was it this girl Spike, that I killed. And then girl, it was Spike and, and then, there were handcuffs. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yup. Mm-hmm. Yup. Mm-hmm. It feels, it functions visually and metaphorically i think the way that dreams do for a lot of people but what i love is pairing the the pairing sex with spike Mm -hmm. with killing katrina as this like self other sort of mirroring because it's it is buffy killing spike in the dream in a minute and Buffy killing Katrina, but then Buffy is the one repeating Spike's line about trust. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> I freaking love it. I love it. I love what it says about Buffy's relationship to herself. Mm-hmm. Um I, I it's it's so good. It's delightful. <laughs> so the dream. The dream. Sh- so, OK, uh-huh. so we, we actually haven't finished this dream yet because I'm just fangirling all over it. Yeah. But the dream shifts again mm-hmm. to Buffy and Spike having sex. And then Spike seems to be unconscious or asleep as Buffy lowers a stake to his chest. Mm-hmm. But then Buffy stakes Katrina and Katrina's eyes snap open and they're cloudy and dead. And she's obviously a corpse Mm -hmm. yeah and that's the dream and it's real good um you're dead inside right i mean this is buffy and herself and her shame and trying to kill Mm -hmm. the parts of her that you know that would that killed katrina and that sleep with spike and it's yeah it's really it's interesting it's definitely an interesting dream and as dream sequences go i didn't hate it the way that i hate most of them so (laughs) Well, and also the literal death, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Of pairing this literal dead body yeah. of this 
this woman in the woods with the literal dead body mm-hmm. question mark yeah. of the the thing she's ha- been having sex with and enjoying mm-hmm. and feeling connected to when well, yeah, he is, I mean, it's as she's, dead things. Yeah. Dead, dead things. things. Uh, Spike is a dead thing. Spike is one of the yeah. dead things in the in the name of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then all of the all of the emotion and all of the like layered, you know, pain of this dream mm-hmm. nightmare mm-hmm. comes out in the alley when Buffy and Spike are fighting. Yeah. And she says, a girl is dead because of me. You can't understand why this is killing me. And that's all it is to you. Just another body. All of that speaks to Buffy's struggle to feel alive. I mean, we're equating sex with death, equating violence against women with what Buffy perceives as her own failure. Why do I let Spike do these things to me? Mm hmm. Struggling with integrating her physical experience with the knowledge and memory of being actually dead. Yeah. It's a lot. Like, Buffy is also one of the dead things. Oh, she is one of the dead things. Oh, my God. I never thought about that. But yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. Wow. Well done. Oh, well. Well, thank you. (laughs) I mean, it's it is a lot. Uh And it's it part of what what is such a bummer. I think about all of this is that it's not it's still somehow not fully explored in a way mm-hmm. that I find satisfying. Yeah. Like at the end, we're we're so deep in Buffy's POV and she's so so like just broken up over trying to make all of these parts of her new like her newly alive again experience like all work together and somehow it still doesn't connect up enough for me that at the end when she says please don't forgive me i i don't Mm -hmm. just feel like oh sweetie no (laughs) it's kind of i don't know i don't i i almost want them to go there even harder than they do Mm -hmm. and they go pretty hard yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, my God. Well, that's very nice. I, you know, dream sequences do not speak to me on the level that they speak to you. I love the stuff that you pull out from it. Um, I think it's so interesting. Um, So well, well done. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to bring in, though, um, before we finish up our discussion of dead things is, um, although we've actually got quite a bit more to go, (laughs) we got a lot of notes for something (laughs) we did not enjoy. Um, There are so many resonances in this episode with previous episodes. We've we've called out a few, um, but more than any other episode I could think of, this episode references other places in Buffy. Um, I mean, you know, it, it textually references I Was Made to Love You. We have actually flashbacks from I Was Made to Love You and all of that. Um, But there's also, um, like Faith in Bad Girls and Consequences, right? Spike tries to weigh the body down and throw it in the river only to have it pop up again almost immediately, right? I Um, love the continuity that 
people go missing in Sunnydale all the time yeah. and nobody bats an eye. But if you try to hide exactly. a body. <laughs> like, yes, it's absolutely that it pops right up and it's on the river. Um, like Faith, Spike does the morality math. Well, what's one dead mm-hmm. girl in uh, all these people that you've saved? Um, Buffy in beating herself up like Faith does in Who Are You? This is a Faith episode with no Faith in it or mentioned. But this is very, very much a Faith episode. Um, when Buffy's about to go to the police, she says, Donnie, I have to, which is what she says in the gift. Um, Warren tries to set up Buffy for the murder that he committed, similar to the way that Faith tried to set Buffy up in season three. Um, and so Warren and Faith, unfortunately, are having these kind of alignments that I don't particularly uh, particularly care for. Um, but yeah, it's it's really like it's it's kind of fun how many, uh, you know, references mm-hmm. we pull in that are not um, not textual enough to even be like winked at you know like nobody's being like wink wink we're just doing this stuff again and so when you have Buffy you know in this sort of out of time experience you know throughout this episode and her time is getting fucked up in this episode um, that uh, that that to have so many of these kind of memories sort of drifting up you know, um, this, so it's history doesn't repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes, you know, yeah. that we're having a lot of that happening here. And I thought that was really kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, Buffy staking Katrina. Now that's in a dream sequence, mm-hmm. but Buffy staking Katrina like Faith mm-hmm. staking Alan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the whole, yeah, the the morality math mm-hmm. is bi- like that. That parallel, mm-hmm. the Spike Faith parallel feels really strong here to me. I mean, he even says, uh, there's my girl yeah. when she when she kicks. Does she kick him? I don't remember. Yeah. But Faith says the same thing mm-hmm. to Buffy as she's stabbed in the gut, yeah. which is a lot. It's, like, there's it's a, a lot, lot of faith to... in here. There is a lot of yeah. faith in here. Um, and it's interesting that Faith would resurface you know pardon the pun um you know in this episode so much and so strongly so many references to faith um and the only thing i think of is written by steven s tonight who didn't get a chance to write faith and maybe he was sad about that so he came in and brought all the faith he could with him um so i think that was really funny um but also we have a little bit in our notes about uh kink shaming so yeah why don't we talk about this a little bit it's I uh, it's such a it's such a strange little rant that I'm on. I love and that you're mostly, on it. I love really? that you're on it. Yes, because I think Do this you? is something. Yeah, because we automatically, I'm, you know, I've talked a lot about how like culture will install an operating system in you. You know, and we have in our culture a lot of this like really toxic purity. You know, to the point oh, where yeah. what we define as pure, like if you enjoy sex, that can sometimes be a problem. So, yes, I want to hear everything that you have to say about kink okay. shaming all the time, because I think that we should take this. If nobody's being hurt, it's OK. Like that is the bottom line. Nobody's I mean, being consensual or a, a non-consensually hurt. I'm sorry. Sometimes <laughs> right? people get hurt well, because they want to get hurt. And that's OK, too. <laughs> well, and that is why it's so tricky right. in the portrayal in this show mm-hmm. in this non-relationship relationship that yeah spike and buffy have mm-hmm. right that's when they're having their conversation at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. he's like you make it hurt in all the wrong places but he's beaming oh, as yeah. he says it mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be weird and creepy question mark like i don't know yeah. i'm just kind of i'm tired of hearing myself 
talk about king shaming with respect to the Buffy Spike thing. Yeah, um, but it's there. But I also feel though. like this this episode really dials yeah. it up mm-hmm. in a way that I have a hard time. There are a couple of reasons that I have a hard time getting on board with Buffy's internal struggle. Um, But this really is one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, Willow just kind of casually says, we know you've been all tied up. And Buffy, like, has this look of horror. Yeah. And that's a that's a kink joke. Yeah. And I don't like it. I don't Mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. And then Spike in this sequence that feels almost like a dream sequence to me. When he's whispering to her and he says, what would they think of you if they found out all the things you've done? Mm -hmm. And he says this like she's done something other than have a lot of layer trashing, house demolishing, impact play heavy sex. Right. Which the way he says it implies that she has done something or a series of things that are so morally reprehensible (laughs) that her friends would. Yeah. You know, disown her forever if they right. knew. And like, yeah, Spike is maybe not the person that you want to say, like, tell your friends that you've been hooking up with. But well, yeah, except what is the problem exactly? Except, I yeah, don't like it's not <laughs> enough. I think, like, um, I completely understand. Like, you know, when Willow says that, it's clearly Willow isn't kink shaming because Willow does when she says tied up, she just means busy. But the fact that the in yeah, the yeah, text, yeah. the writer wrote it specifically to um, to kind of activate this shame within Buffy um, and not about who she's sleeping with, because that's not it. It's just being tied up. The fact that, like, if she had been tied up, if she had let, you know, Spike use the the cuffs or whatever, that somehow that would be wrong which it's not you know um and there is nothing wrong with that so i think that yeah like i'm glad that you bring up the kink shamey because along with a lot of the other things that end up in our stories they tell us what's okay and what's not you know well then well and it just feels lazy to me and i know that this is 2002 yeah and but But it's also a lazy joke yes it feels well the whole thing Mm -hmm. like the whole the whole Buffy's shame at sleeping with Spike mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like it does not work for me on this level mm-hmm. because it is not explored deep enough in the text. Right. The text is very surface. The text is like you are having violent, rough sex with this dude who doesn't have a soul. Yeah. And that is morally or and or ethically wrong. And I'm just like, no, yeah. those things don't go together. No, the like they only d- thing, the only place where I kind of connected with her sense of shame is the moment where she says to Tara, so I'm what? I'm using him? How is that okay? Yeah. I accept that he's fine with it. He knows you don't. It's not like it's not like she's saying I love you and lying to yeah. him. She is in no way lying to him. There's nothing that she's doing that's wrong. I could see her being like embarrassed that she's sleeping with Spike because it's Spike. You know, I mean, well, and he is a literal killer. Like he makes yeah. a joke about it in that well, opening that's the conversation. Thing. When I ate a decorator, and she doesn't even so much as cringe at that. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah. But it's not portrayed that way. It's not portrayed as I am ashamed because I'm sleeping with a bad man. It's portrayed as I am ashamed because I am having sex that involves impact play. Exactly. That's how it's portrayed. And I I don't care for Mm -hmm. it. I don't. I mm I don't like it. And it makes it hard for me to feel sympathetic yeah toward Buffy yeah and I want to I know girlfriend was dead like actually literally dead (laughs) clawed her way out of her own grave and we don't spend any time on that it's just we feel bad for Buffy because she lives in a world in which this is not okay um and fuck that shit right (laughs) because she believes that it's not okay she believes that it's shameful um but also the text believes that it's shameful that's what the problem is, is yes that's mm-hmm. where the issue is. Yes. That's mm-hmm. that is thank you for clarifying that for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Sometimes it's hard to like make those distinctions, but that's really I think what it comes down to is that the text is rubber stamping the shame. The fact that Buffy feels the shame is not necessarily a problem. She's wrong, but that she feels it like you can understand, you know. Um but the yeah. that the text is rubber stamping that shame as being absolutely appropriate, I think is where we have the problem. Even though Tara comes in and says that's okay. It's not it's fine. It's okay it's okay it's not that simple that is one of my favorite tara lines oh my god i love her so much buffy says so i'm using him and tara says it's not that simple it's It's like hell yeah and also he loves every minute of it he is a consenting partner in that so totally you you can you're not responsible for that but here is my question for you though because i had a realization during this watch of this episode i have seen this episode like a lot a lot a lot because i watch buffy like every Mm -hmm. year like the whole thing through um uh, the moment where she's dancing with everybody at the bronze, she goes up into this balcony area, right? Um, and we're mm-hmm. watching like everything around her disappears, except she's watching, you know, Willow and Xander and Anya dancing on the floor down below. And the spike comes up behind her and they have sex and he says all that stuff to her. But everything is silent. Everything is weird. Everything is subdued. It just occurred to me that this isn't actually Spike and Buffy having sex. This is Buffy having a fantasy about Spike while she's standing up on the balcony watching her friends, that she is hearing him say to her what she's secretly thinking. And I don't think that there is a a textual, like absolute textual confirmation of that. But when I read it in that way, it made so much more sense to me because this that yeah. scene has never made any sense to me. How are you going to have sex like that up on the balcony? There's people all over the place. Everybody can see you. Like she's so ashamed of having sex with Spike. There she is up in the shadow. As a metaphor, it works a lot better than as actual reality. And the idea that this is her fantasy, that this is her wanting him even when she's out with her friends and not being able to stay and be with her friends that she still separates even when he's not there i actually really like that a lot better with that read i'm not sure that textually it's defensible but that's the read that i enjoy you know what's hilarious is i that was my first read on it and then when i watched it again i was like no this is literally happening and now i'm bummed like I like yeah. that read better. I think that is a I better, like it better I, it's a better moment. I mean, I find that mm-hmm. whole I find that whole thing so upsetting. Like mm-hmm. that whole interaction, the way like his yeah. affect with her in that sequence. Oh, is, and the oh. the don't and then he says stop me and that whole thing is really upsetting. Um it's yeah. really upsetting. It's mm-hmm. really, really upsetting. 
um, the way that he's specifically and pointedly declaring that she is separate mm-hmm. from her friends yeah. and that there is no, you know, that that she she has sinned against her friend group and there is no hope for reconciliation. Yeah. And it's just it is it is some evil, mm-hmm. <laughs> some evil, evil spite. Yeah. But also he's evil. Yeah. Like this is, is it evil. is absolutely something Spike would do, yeah. um, especially as he is getting more and more invested in this narrative of her belonging yep. to and with him, mm-hmm. um, l- essentially leaning into her insecurity about what they're doing together. Yeah, but it absolutely it it absolutely reads as a fantasy sequence mm-hmm. or a not quite dream sequence yeah. and i think if we didn't have a literal dream sequence in this episode mm-hmm. the case for that is not reality would be much stronger i think so. for me yeah yeah i mean i think it's i think it textually i think it's meant to be textual i think it's meant to be actually literally happening i like the read that it's a fantasy sequence better it makes that whole thing work so much better for me because it's never worked for me yeah. yeah it doesn't it it doesn't work for me either yeah. um it feels too it feels too removed mm-hmm. from not just not just what's going on at the bronze but also from the tone mm-hmm. of the rest of the yeah. episode yeah yeah um it's it's yeah, i don't care for it's it it's weird um noel you want to hear a joke about paper <laughs> sure never mind it's <laughs> terrible oh no <laughs> oh no all right what's your favorite part oh my gosh what is my favorite i mean do we like it's tara yeah it's tara come on it's tara it's tara it's tara in that last scene specifically where she's so loving Mm -hmm. and so like you're you know you're she she yeah lets buffy off the hook before buffy has even revealed that she's on the hook it's yeah. great yeah may we all be as compassionate with ourselves as tara is with buffy exactly oh, exactly you a little tara in your mind oh. when you start uh yeah <laughs> when you start channel your inner tara absolutely yeah what's your favorite part oh tara yeah i mean same 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 i mean i mean yeah this episode what 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 else what else is going to be your favorite part <laughs> i mean it's it's all it's all terrible oh it's all terrible but then there's tara oh yeah. oh it's all terrible <laughs> <laughs> which makes it nice which is weird if you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter. Follow at Chipperish and use the hashtag #StillPretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our December producers: Shelley, Kristen, Jonathan, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or look a little pounded, just around the eyes. And this week's special message for our power producers, don't think about the evil blood-sucking fiend. Focus on anything other than the evil blood-sucking fiend. 
Chipperish Media is going to be taking a holiday break, but we will be back on January 7th with Older and Far Away, the 14th episode of Season 6. Until then, come share in the joy of our groove thing. <laughs>